Threadwear Outlaw. This is the uh, weekend of the last release that was there yesterday. I didn't go up today because we had a Grand Prix trial at the event as well, which ran till 1 o'clock in the morning. So by the time I got up, got some sleep, I wasn't aware I was going to make it back to the pre-release time to do any events. Though I did could go back and see uh, Mark Gottlieb or Mr. Magoo, as some will call him, to uh, talk with him about some of their decisions, some of their rules, questions, oracle changes, etc. And I'm not going to get the opportunity at this point. It's too late in the day. But anyways, uh, the pre-release was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't actually play in the pre-release as much as I walked around and watched people, and then I played in the Grand Prix trial for Denver, which is in a few weeks from now. Uh, next to last Grand Prix trial we have scheduled on a plate. First one I've been able to make because of my new job. They've had like five others so far in the state. So, I enjoyed it. Uh, it did alright. I donked off a few games from lack of practice lately. Both of them to Perry's matches. And then I played it against this awfully slow white weenie deck, Kithkin deck, that ran the Miss Meadow Skulk guy, who was a future print, future reprint from Future Sight, the one that has the lifelink and protection from casting costs to your greater. And I'm playing Toast. I'm playing a tweaked version of Toast that's running four austere commands and four fire spouts main and four shriek maws main for my removal and somehow in the end my deck can't kill a 1-1 creature with protection from three or more casting costs without if I draw no exterior commands in a match so um, that deck that game because I won game one and it took like 40 minutes and game two I lost in, in extra turns so we got a draw out of it my, my two losses I donked off against fairies. Uh, one was because I tapped the wrong man. I had in my head the four green mana, and I used the four green for the evoke cost instead of uh, four green for the casting, per se. And as a result, I left myself with no colored mana sources, so I couldn't back up my my cloud thresher with uh, the negate I had in my hand. So I ended, or two negates, actually. So I ended up donking off that game against the fairies deck. And that was, like, completely... Devastating since I won game one outright, and then game three it came down to him multiple misbind clicks going with the Nagroish draw, and uh, I got taken out of that match. Um, the other one it came down to, to other mistakes I made that could have cost me or could have played a better. And in the end, he uh, I believe had the puppet tier click for my uh, multiple cloud thrusters in my graveyard, and that kind of hurt. So, kind of hurt. In fact, it hurt a lot. But, in the end, I, I was happy with, generally, my deck. I just wasn't happy with my play so far. So, And I need a better sideboard against fairies. Um, with my tweak version of Toast, or I would like to call C2, which is command control. Also a military term, C2. With C2, I was running four austerity commands, four fire spouts main. I had Muldrifters, I had Nona, I had a couple Kyle Threshers, I had Muldrifters, uh, Maniquins. Shriek Maws, Kitchen Finks, etc. So I was pretty happy with how the deck plays. Also, my one card everybody kept asking hadn't have to ask the judge every time I played it. The, my opponent wanted a ruling on the wording of that card, which I had these fortunes in the main deck. And I, I've almost completely stocked out my deck with all Chinese cards at this point. 
So I had a pretty deck that the judges decided they want to deck check twice. And uh, both times during the deck checking, my opponent had some problem with their deck listing. Or some something wrong with their deck when they had it deck checked. Uh, in one case it was um, failure to write down the correct name of a card onto the sheet of paper. And in another case it was uh, something considerably more trivial um, that was easily fixed. I don't even remember what the second one was now. It doesn't matter. It didn't result in but nothing but a caution. Whereas the first one was a game loss. So, Anyways, the overall Grand Prix trial went well. Bradford playing a impromptu raid enchantments in his elementals deck decided to go impromptu raid elementals and these elementals went into uh, the red zone and went into the dying zone and the revlar coming back from the graveyard quite often for free because of the or going to the graveyard quite often because of the enchantment for free more or less um, made it very easy for him to actually rack up quite a few wins in the end and he did pretty well um, eventually he died to in the top four, after winning game one against the Fairies deck, he lost in the second game because his opponent, with very with nothing really in play and nothing really in his hand, he top decked a mind shatter that he brought in from the sideboard, a Fairies player, mind you, brought in mind shatter, and took out all of um, Paul's hand, which included three mannequins and a fire spout, while he didn't have four mana open to be able to use those. Mannequins, so that cost Paul the mat uh, that game only because after that Paul drew no more land or drew no more no more threats and it was just like land 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 irrelevant spell land land irrelevant spell for like nine turns in a row and the, the Perry's deck was able to come back and do something about it with bitter blossom tokens and in the second game he goes all right Paul does something clears up the board gets on the offense. The other guy goes, all right, the only, with, with only a Moldrifter left black blocking. He goes, rip, plump to your clip. Play plump to your clip. Grab your Cloud Thresher number one out of the graveyard. Use it. Grab your Cloud Thresher number two out of the graveyard. Swing in for lethal damage. And uh, just enough to kill Paul. So that was kind of like, well, two major top decks that ripped away. Effectively a shot at three buys from Paul. So that was kind of disheartening. So it ended poorly, but at the same time, Paul was really happy with the way his deck was. That was his only match he lost to Ferries on the day of like four matches. And in the top five of that Grand Prix trial, which we had, I believe, 46 people in, five of the top eight decks were Ferries, which does not bode well for the PTQ, which is a week from yesterday, coming up in Denver, our first PTQ. And the Ferries are in high order right now. So I'm expecting there to be some of that. The one thing I did play off really well during one of my matches when I was playing that that uh, Kitkin deck earlier in the in the Swiss is I was able to survive a turn where he activated two Windbrist Heights. One was Mirror Weave, one was Oblivion Ring, taking out my only blocker, and I was able to effectively survive that turn, which gave me a huge advantage because shortly thereafter I go our our Siri command, take out the enchantments, take out his creatures get back all my my uh, kitchen things and build myself back up from a, from like free life back up to like 15 life in the process of all this with my kitchen things in mass and mannequins in mass and enough blocking involved against the kitchen deck which at that point ran itself out of steam and was 
going playing off of Zapovitz deck. So, and eventually uh, I pulled that game out. But yeah, I was happy with that too. I, pl- I played against the Green White Kishkin or Green White Elves deck, which I completely smashed. Like he did a total of nine damage to me in the match. Um, played a couple other uh, easy matches too, and did some wins. But I was happy with a three, two, and one results. The deck was happy. I just wasn't happy with my own play because I really donked off probably one, if not both, matches against fairies. That cost me a top eight. So, anyways, back to the pre-release. This is even type pre-release. Uh, Wizards announced not that long ago that they were going to change the focus of what pre-releases are and go to more store-based release event type style pre-releases. So, I got to thinking and I asked some questions and I got to talking to some people and checking on the fallout of what this really means in the end is that did you know that not only is this the quote last big scale pre-release we're going to have that also means no more paraphernalia to collect like I used to no more quote pre-release rares like I used to collect albeit there'll be now release cards and release cards will probably be mystic rares there'll be no more t-shirts from pre-releases like me like myself many other players like to have collected there'll be lesser production costs for Watsy because they're producing less things to publish or less things to produce that is free release specific but it also has a side effect like alright, if you're a TO of a free release this is your big money maker you make a ton of money these free releases which encourage you to keep doing it throughout the year and you have PTQs that you therefore host, GPTs you therefore host, etc, etc, etc at least it is in some places, maybe not everywhere um some places a store owner will actually run everything. Some places a, uh, a premier event TO will run everything and work with stores. So you know, there's multiple variations in how this all plays out. However, with that in mind, if you're a smaller scale premier event TO and you're the guy who ran the PTQs but you do not own your own store space, you've now got a dilemma. Your primary money maker or primary cash cow may have just been flushed away and you have no control over that. So what motivates you if you don't make a ton of money off other events from Watsi, such as PTQs, to therefore continue having said PTQs? Will will this be a national trend? Will we start seeing a trickle down effect from Watsi of premier TOs buying because they have to actually purchase less and less slots for PTQs, and as a result, will that cause less and less PTQs nationwide to happen, which is a trend we've been following the last two years, or three years, that we've been slowly reduced the number of potential slots for the Pro Tour. And as a result, this is a very bad sign for the long-term health of the Pro Tour, because as less and less players are able to be invited, there'll be less and less opportunity for local-scale players to be, quote, good at this game, and it will require higher expense costs in order to become potentially good. And in the end, it could hurt the tournament player, per se, like myself, from investing the time, money, and, and needed efforts to make ourselves good enough to qualify for the Pro Tour because there would be less opportunities for us to be on the Pro Tour and make it a harder introduction cost for us to obtain that Pro Tour slot. Now, granted, this is not going to affect the casual player. Granted, the majority of Magic players in the world aren't going to be affected by this. But it's just kind of a disturbing trend that I'm seeing that I'm hoping Watsi, who the people who make their decisions and base these decisions are what pays their salaries, 
knows what the hell they're doing and has considered this possibility because we are now looking at a very frightening possibility of the number of potential PTQs being available next year simply because there will be less people willing to host said PTQs next year as opposed to previously where they were willing to take up every possible opportunity and purchase all the ones possible. What is to say that someone like the guy up in uh, Utah, uh, Scallion, Chris Scallion, what's to say he decides one day, he's like, all right, well, it's no longer worth it for me to pay this cost to continue with these PTQs because I no longer have these other big-scale pre-releases that allow me to make a ton of money. Or what's to say that a, a, a CEO who used to run these large-scale uh, pre-releases across multiple states like Edward Fox was to say that, well, you just took away my three big money makers in these three regions, which is tax, Texas, uh, Kansas, and, Wichita, and uh, Oklahoma. Why should I continue to support having PTQs in those three areas if I no longer make money from the big event that, that allows me to, to continue having that, that uh, regional relationship? I can see a lot of fallout, a lot of trickle-down economics now starting to play from, from potentially a bad decision from the top. A lot of trickle-down that's going to cause the removal of several uh, potential slots from the Pro Tour for Americans, making it further harder and harder for us to compete against the international community. Um, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just being a... Uh, maybe I'm doing the chicken little stuff. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, per se. For years, you always heard these people claim that Magic is dying. Well, my point was, Magic wasn't dying because you could look at OP and organized play and know for a fact we had a solid structure that was well-funded and in place and continuing to grow. And with that in mind, along with the sales of, of Watsi's Magic brand continuing to grow, you knew that Magic was never going to die. They've given us reason to question one, and a lot of their financial decisions have, have lately have us starting to question the other. So, I don't know. I'm hoping the, I'm hoping I'm just... I hope it's just a bad, bad feeling I'm having, not any legitimate concern behind it, but... I, I, if I were anybody else, or if I, were, if I were you, I would start spreading the word and seeing if something can, can get the Pro Players Alliance back into action, because right now this is not a trend that any of us really wanted to be seeing. And with that, this is Road Warrior Otwell signing off.